Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Leave a review on Spotify. Leave a review on Good Pods. Leave a review on Podchaser. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You know, whatever. Chapter 18. Marianne. What a day our first day at the Magic Kingdom was. I was exhausted. I thought the Pike kids wore Stacy and me out when we went to Sea City, but that was nothing compared to a day at Disney World. My feet ached, my back ached, and my head ached. I had been on Space Mountain twice, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad three times, and I had stood on miles of lines. Then Christy had called a club meeting for right after dinner. And ever since we had met the Pikes at Cinderella Castle that afternoon, Mallory had been bugging me about something. She kept saying she wanted to talk to me, but that we had to talk in private. Okay, I said. We were back at the hotel and I was rummaging around in my suitcase, looking for aspirin. We'll talk when I get back from the club meeting. Your mom gave Stacy and me an hour and a half off, so I'll talk to you right before we go to bed. What about Vanessa? asked Mallory. We'll wait until she's in the bathroom. You know she takes forever. Is that okay? I asked. Mallory nodded. Great, I said. But I was wishing I could just fall into bed, go to sleep, and not get up until the next morning. Or maybe the next afternoon. Instead, I dragged myself to the club meeting. Stacy dragged along with me. She was as tired as I was. The meeting was held in the room Christy, Claudia, and Dawn were sharing. When we entered, I drew on my breath in surprise. Their cabin on the ship had looked like the back end of a garbage truck. But their hotel room looked like, well... A hotel room. It was reasonably neat. There were no clothes lying around. There were no M&M wrappers on the floor or cracker crumbs on the desk. And Dawn and Christy were actually smiling at each other. Hi, you guys, called Christy as we entered the room. Hi, we replied. What's the matter, Claudia asked us. We're exhausted, said Stacy. We're babysitting, I reminded them crossly. Touchy, touchy, said Don, who was the only one I would have let get away with saying something like that just then. Sit down, said Christy. Rest your feet. You want a soda or something? Definitely, I answered. Claudia looked longingly at a refrigerator in a cabinet that were full of potato chips and candy. If only we could get in there, she said, touching her finger to the keyhole of the cabinet. Well, you know what Watson said, Christy told her. Yeah, replied Claudia. It's just, she peered into the cabinet. Oh my lord, there's a Mounds Bar way in the back. I haven't seen Mounds Bars anywhere in the hotel. They're not in the store in the lobby. That's because they're gross. Mounds Bars and Almond Joy are literally horrible. The only thing that's worse than them is those abacazabas or whatever that are like peanut butter taffy. Ugh. Claudia, that thing probably costs about $12. Come on, I got Fritos and pretzels here, and I got some sodas from out of the machine. Now let's start the meeting. Chrissy was growing impatient. She passed around sodas and opened the bags of pretzels and Fritos. We talked about the kids for a while, but there wasn't much to say. They were all having a ball. Christy mentioned that Karen thought she had a ghostly companion, but none of us knew what to do about that. Dawn told us how she lost her bracelet and grew teary-eyed. Claudia showed Stacy and me a pair of barrettes her secret admirer had sent her at dinner. Then I said that Claire and Margo were upset because we had missed both the afternoon and evening parades that day. You too, said Christy. So do we. And Karen and Andrew missed them too. They really wanted to see them. Or at least one of them. Did anyone see one? We all shook our heads. Well, we'll remember tomorrow, said Christy. Now, who has an idea for gifts for Mom and Watson and the Pikes? There were a few red faces among us. I knew we hadn't been thinking about the gifts at all. Dawn cleared her throat. <clears throat> I saw some really nice cement planters in the gift shop. They were shaped like turtles and... Those huge things, cried Christy. They weigh a ton. How will we even get them on the plane? Dawn shrugged, embarrassed. I saw some keychains in the shop, I said. They were personalized. You can get them with almost any name. I found most of our names down there. I bet we could find those keychains have Mickey Mouse on them for heaven's sake, said Christy. Get real, you babysitters. You want to do something special. 
personally, I stopped looking for those keychains a long time ago. And a lot of folks that I know also have because you're not going to find Nisha. You're not going to find my daughter's name. You're not going to find my name with my spelling. It's a rig up. Well, what ideas have you come up with, I asked. No good ones, said Christy. But they were better than cement planters and Mickey Mouse keychains. There was a nice clothing store in the lobby, Claudia began. You guys are missing the point, interrupted Christy. We don't want to give just any gift. We don't even want to give just an expensive gift. We have to give meaningful gifts. Like what? asked Stacy. Christy shrugged. I don't know. Yet. Well, keep thinking. We turned our attention to the Fritos. Then we found a Michael J. Fox movie on TV and tuned in. I fell asleep. I didn't wake up until I became aware that Stacy was shaking me gently and saying, Marianne, Marianne, get up. Our break is over. Stacy and I dragged ourselves back to our rooms. As soon as I opened the door to mine, Mallory bounced over to me. Where did she get all that energy? Perfect timing, she said. Vanessa just went into the bathroom. I figured we have, oh, 15, 20 minutes. Okay. I lowered myself onto my bed. Mallory and Vanessa were sharing the other bed. Mallory plunked herself next to me. I have some very important information, she began. Important information, I said. You sound like a spy, Mal. For just a moment, I thought Mallory was blushing, but it was hard to tell. She had gotten a lot of sun that day. Mallory cleared her throat. throat) Well, anyway, guess who I just happened to be standing behind on the line for Peter Pan's flight today? I, I can't guess. Who? Alexandra Carmody. And she was on line with her mother, her father, and her brother. I couldn't help overhearing what they were saying. And get this, her parents are like celebrities. Have you ever heard of Viv and Vernon Carmody? They're a singing team. They're for older people. The name sounded vaguely familiar, but I couldn't think about names just then. All I could think was that Alex had parents. Are you sure about all of this? I asked Mallory. Positive. We were online for half an hour, and I was right behind him. What a liar! I cried. Oh, I don't mean you, Mal. I mean Alex. She told me she was an orphan and a bunch of other things. I wonder if any of it is true. Oh, but who cares? Why would she tell me her parents are dead instead of celebrities? People shouldn't joke about things like that. Mallory shook her head. I thought you should know. Thanks, I replied. I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do, but I'm glad to know. Even though I was tired, I didn't sleep well that night. I kept waking up and thinking about Alex. By morning, I had made one decision. The next time I saw her, I would confront Alex with what I knew, which happened to be during breakfast. Vanessa forgot to bring her vitamin pills to the dining room, so I said I'd get them. I had gotten as far as the lobby when I ran into Alex. I didn't bother to smile or say good morning to her. Instead, I greeted her with, You are a liar. I proceeded to tell her everything Mallory had told me. But, but, Alex kept saying. Her face crumpled up as if she were going to cry. Usually, I can't stand to see someone cry. I get all mushy and sympathetic. But that time, I turned my back and walked away. Alex had lied, and I had opened up and told her about my mother, and now I felt like a fool. Worse, I felt hurt. I hadn't seen the last of Alex, though. The Pikes and Stacy and I went back to the Magic Kingdom that morning and split into groups again. I wound up with Margot and Claire. Snow White, Snow White, cried Claire. Let's go on that ride again. I want to see the Wicked Witch. So we went to Fantasyland and found Snow White's adventure. And who should get online behind us but Alex? Hi there, she said. I didn't answer her. My hurt had turned to anger. Can't I even talk to you? asked Alex. I have to tell you something. What was your favorite part of this ride? I asked Margot, ignoring Alex. Oh, easy. When the witch looks like she's going to push the big rock on you. Alex stopped talking. 
She came on the ride with us, though. I mean, climbed right into our little dopey car, as if she were the fourth person in our party. After the ride, I tried to lose her in the crowd. When I thought I'd succeeded, I said to the girls, Have you guys been on Cinderella's golden carousel? Nope, they replied. So we stood on line, and then ran to the merry-go-round and chose our horses. The music started. The horses began to move. As my horse rode up, the one next to me sank down. I found myself looking into Alex's face. Hi, she said. I whipped my head around and wouldn't pay attention to her. A few minutes later, when the merry-go-round had slowed to a stop, Claire began begging for ice cream. I knew from experience that she wouldn't stop until she had some. We walked to the round table and each got a cone piled high with swirls of soft vanilla ice cream. Alex stood on line behind us. Purely to escape her, I walked the girls all the way over to Tomorrowland after we finished our cones. The first thing I noticed was a sign of Space Mountain announcing that the line was only 10 minutes long. The second thing I noticed was that we had finally lost Alexandra. This is the time to ride Space Mountain, I told the girls. Hardly any wait. Goody, they cried. So we rode the roller coaster. When we came out, Alex was waiting for us. There you are, she said. And at that moment, Margot threw up her entire ice cream cone and probably all of her breakfast too. Most of it went on Alex's shoes. That was the last we saw of Alexandra Carmody that day. I couldn't have been happier. Let me tell you something. I ain't never been to Disneyland and the ride length, the line for a ride was only 30 minutes. Never. And now do you want to have fast pass? We got to the front of the line, but the rest of them folks, nope. Also, Disneyland, Disney World, somebody hit me off like this. You could tell the rankings between lower class, middle class, and upper class by this. Lower class folks will never even dream of going to Disneyland. Upper class folks don't even need to go to Disneyland because they have better things to do. Middle class folks treat Disneyland and Disney World like it is a actual all-out vacation. Like that is their family's summer trip. That is the big thing. We are going to Disney World. Wild, right? Disney World tickets cost like $150 per person. Granted, that's a lot of money to us. But the upper class, not at all. Also wild, and just a side thought, and then I'll get right back into the book. My family's debt, because yes, every family has debt. My family's debt, and probably your family's debt, and probably your friend's family's debt, can be cleared if you had approximately $200,000. Most people's debt can be cleared if they have 50000 but if you have a house, I'm going to add on a little bit to that for myself because we have a house that we bought for $186,000, so we're paying that off. So I'm going to say if we had $200,000, we clear everything up. $300,000 will set us right for a good year. That's wild that it will only set us right for a year. And it's also wild that the number that we're thinking of that have us in debt is so low. That bar is so low when you think about the fact that there are people with $43 billion and I'm struggling because I can't get $300,000. These are things I think about when I'm alone. And now I hope you think about them too. Tax the rich. Chapter 19, Byron. Disney World is awesome, and today is even better than yesterday was. That's because me and my brothers asked if David Michael could spend the day with us, and if we could be on our own again, us five boys, like we were at Treasure K. Mom and Dad said no to being on our own, but yes to David Michael. That was good enough for us. I didn't care if Stacy had to follow us around. She's pretty cool. And she said we could do whatever we wanted as long as it was legal. Well, we knew exactly what we wanted to do. The question was, would there be enough time for everything? We wanted to go on Space Mountain, Pirates of the Caribbean, the Haunted Mansion, and the Ride to Frontierland. 
We wanted to look for hidden treasure too. We still had our map. And we wanted to eat as much food as possible. In that case, said Stacy, there's just one thing I insist on. What? I asked. That you ride Space Mountain and Big Thunder Mountain Railroad before you eat a thing. Got it? Got it, we said. That was a great excuse to go ride the Space Mountain. It was early in the day, and the line wasn't too long. So as soon as we came out of the ride, we went back in again. Oh, groaned Stacy. Twice in a row? I don't think my poor old stomach is up to this. Well, you don't have to come with us. You can wait outside, I said, hopefully. No way, replied Stacy. But she looked pretty green by the time we had ridden Space Mountain the second time. Now, on the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, cried David Michael Thomas. That's a big name. David Michael Thomas. Sheesh. That's my favorite ride. You have to look around while you're on it. It's like you're really in the wild, wild west. Do you guys see the bones and the possums hanging from the tree and the chickens and the goat? How about the mine shaft? I like going up, 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 and then... Oh, please, said Stacy. I know I told you we go on the roller coasters first, but I take it back. Let's find a tamer ride. We'll go on the railroad at the end of the day, if you haven't eaten too much. Roller coasters. Disney World has this misnomer that they have a lot of roller coasters, and that's not really true. Like, they have... Okay. So, they have roller coasters. I'll give them that. They only have one, I think, that does loops. And it's in California Adventure. Um, and it's the rock and roll Mickey ride or whatever. And it loops at the Mickey Mouse ears. Other than that, none of them rides loop. They have drops. Yeah. Splash Mountain has the biggest one. Um, Space Mountain has one. Big Rock Thunder Mountain, whatever it's called. Has a lot of twists and turns and goes kind of fast. But it's not scary. Like this whole thing, I just want y'all to keep in mind, Disneyland and Disney World were created with children in mind. Young children. So the rides aren't going to be thrill rides for the initiated to uh, roller coasters. So if you live in Ohio, first of all, I'm sorry. Secondly, uh, go to Cedar Point. And then never go to Disney World. Because you've literally been on roller coasters that are like 50 times better. And if you live in Orlando, you already know. Y'all better go to Universe Studios. Their rides over there are incredible. I don't even mess with J.K. Rowling. But the rides they have in the Harry Potter world were just... Whew. And then the Incredible Hulk too where you shoot out of that tube, out of the gamma ray tube. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Pirates of the Caribbean, I cried. Let's go, you guys. Off to Adventureland. Pirates of the Caribbean, Stacy replied weakly. Isn't that a water ride? I don't know. A boat. All that swaying and rocking. But we were already far ahead of her. Stacy caught up to us as we were following the line through the caverns that lead to the beginning of the ride. This ride isn't bad, I whispered to Stacy, pulling her aside. It's not like being on the water at all. The boats run on tracks, I think. They don't really float. Stacy smiled at me. Thanks, Byron, she said. I'm feeling better already. Pirates of the Caribbean is a cool ride. You tour around these dark cave-like tunnels and watch these scenes that move. They show a band of really good pirates. Eye patches, black hats, striped stockings, the works. Raiding a little town in the Caribbean. You feel like you're actually there. In one place, the pirates set some buildings on fire. The buildings really, really look like they're on fire, too. All red and yellow and glowing. In another place, you pass under a pirate sitting on the bridge or something, and you can see that he has hairy legs. Whoa! The woe was me. The woe was sarcastic. Woe unto you if that's what you think is great about this ride. Woe unto you if you think Pirates of the Caribbean is a great ride. Well, one to you if you want to go to Disneyland. But reading this when I was like 9 and 10 years old, I was like, oh my goodness, they have hairy legs. I want to go to Disneyland and Disney World. Why can't I go? And that's when I realized that this is a rig up. This is the game. 
yo, we'll let you write this book, but make all of our rides just sound the bestest and the most thrilling and just electrifying or else. They're drunk pirates. There's a gunfight between two ships with the exploding shells splashing the water all around your boat. And there's funny pirates in jail. A dog has the keys to their prison, but he won't give them up. Boy, some ride, said Adam as we climbed out of our boat. I'll say, said Stacy. I'm not a bit seasick. That was great. We were all talking and asking questions as we walked outside. How did they make that fire? asked Nikki. Was it real? What about that gunfight, said Jordan. I like the drunk pirate, said David Michael. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Jordan began to get silly. David Michael's song reminded him of another one. How dry I am, he sang. How wet I'll be if I don't find the bathroom key. Jordan warned Stacy. How about this one? I added. Comet. It makes your mouth turn green. Comet. It tastes like Listerine. Comet. It makes you vomit. So get some Comet and vomit too. Oh, wow. Nikki suddenly cried. Would you look at where we are? Yes, I do know all those songs. I also know the song from Parenthood that I'm not going to sing right now because it's supposed to be the clean version. But let's just say it starts with if you're sliding in the first and you feel your stomach burst. I stopped singing. We all stopped walking. We had gotten off the ride and exited right into a gift shop. And we were surrounded by pirate stuff. There were black, three-cornered pirate hats. There were fake hooks just in case you lost your hand in a sword fight. There were necklaces with skulls on them and pirate flags and rubber daggers. Awesome, I said. Totally awesome. We all wanted to buy something. And we decided we should each buy something different. So when we got together in Stony Brook, we'd have a really good collection of pirate stuff. It took us ages to decide what to get. Finally, I bought a hat, David Michael bought a skull necklace, Jordan bought a hook, Adam bought a dagger, and Nikki bought a flag. You know, I said when we finished paying for all the stuff, we should really hunt for treasure now. We're all set for it. Do you guys want to? Sure, they replied. And, added Nikki, when we find treasure, we might find a stowaway from the ship. I wasn't following Nikki's thinking on that one, but it didn't matter. I pulled the map out of my pocket. It was more crumpled than ever. You could still read it, though. Then I pulled out a map of the Magic Kingdom. Let's see, I said. My brothers and David Michael crowded around to look at the maps. We should probably search somewhere near water, right? Right, they said. What about Tom Sawyer's Island on Frontierland? You have to take rafts to get over there. And we wanted to go anyway. We're there, cried Adam. Most of us had already been to Tom Sawyer's Island, which is why we wanted to go again. It was almost as awesome as the pirate gift shop. We liked firing off the air guns in the fort. But this time, we were going there to hunt for treasure. We got to work as soon as we got off the raft. Should we split up or what? Asked Adam with a sly grin. Oh no, no you don't. You can't fool me, said Stacy. You guys stick together and I stick with you. Got it? Got it, we said glumly. We began our search. It wasn't as much fun as being on Treasure K, where we could dig up sand and turn over rocks and stuff, and where we didn't need a babysitter. At least, it wasn't as much fun at first. But then, I found it. Treasure. A real treasure. I was crossing the floating barrel bridge and I thought I saw something shiny. I leaned over and took a closer look. Something gold was snagged on one of the barrels. Very carefully, I picked it up. It was a bracelet, and it was real old. The clasp was broken, but otherwise it looked okay. I wondered just how old it was. As old as pieces of eight? As old as a jewel from a pirate-raided town in the Caribbean? I held it up and examined it in the sunlight. The golden links looked worn and kind of dirty. And valuable. You guys, you guys, I yelled. The others were ahead of me. They had reached the end of the bridge. I ran to catch up. I found treasure, I shrieked. Everyone crowded around me, even a few people I didn't know. Look at this bracelet, I said. It must have been old as pirates. They could have stolen it off some poor lady when they raided the town. It was right then that I noticed Stacy looking at me kind of strangely. 
What? I said. What did I do wrong? Nothing, she said sadly. She held out her hand. May I see the bracelet, please, Byron? I handed it to her. I'm really sorry to say this, she went on, and she sure did sound sorry. But this bracelet is Dawn's. She lost it yesterday. Did it have a glass charm on it shaped like a unicorn? No, I replied. Are you sure this is Dawn's bracelet? That's a pretty big, what do you call it? A pretty big coincidence. Amazing but true, said Adam in this eerie voice. The charm must have slipped off, Stacy went on. The bracelet is old though, Byron. You are right about that. It's an antique. It belonged to Dawn's great aunt. Dawn liked this bracelet a whole lot. She was upset when she lost it. I think it's a family heirloom or something. She'll be really grateful that you found it. I nodded. I felt good about that. Honest, I did. But not as good as if I had found a treasure. And Nicky was disappointed that we hadn't seen the stowaway either. Although how he thought we were going to find him in the middle of Disney World was beyond me. That night, my brothers and David Michael and I presented the bracelet to Dawn. She was so happy she cried. For a moment, I thought she was going to kiss me. Disgust. I'm glad she didn't. Us guys decided to stop looking for treasure at the Magic Kingdom. But somehow, I just couldn't make myself throw the treasure map away. I stuck it in the back pocket of my jeans. For y'all who are unsure with the disgust if I read it incorrectly, nope, I didn't. Back in the 80s, they used to say stuff like that. Like there was this whole Beverly Hills chic thing that was going on in the 80s. Like they literally had a cartoon called Beverly Hills Teens that was all about white kids that would say stuff like, gag me with a silver spoon and stuff like that. Ugh, it was a thing. They also wore day glow neon shorts with black stripes down the side and called them biker shorts. And yes, my mom has pictures of me. Chapter 20, Karen. I'm so sad. I'm happy, but I'm sad. Do you know what I mean? It's that feeling you get when your birthday finally comes and you're really happy that the wedding's over and you're going to get presents and a cake and a party. But you're also really sad that the wedding is over because when the day ends, your birthday will end too and you don't have it to look forward to anymore. That is how I felt on our last day at Disney World. I had a million things to look forward to, but when the day was over, our trip will be almost over too. We were all flying home the next day. Here are the things I was most especially looking forward to. Number one, one more ride on Cinderella's Golden Carousel. Number two, one more ride on Dumbo, the Flying Elephant. Number three, the parade. We kept missing it. We still hadn't seen it. And number four, breakfast with the Disney characters. I'm not joking. Mommy and Daddy and... Andrew and David Michael and I were going to go on a steamboat called the Empress Lily and eat breakfast. And guess who was going to walk around the dining room? Pluto and Tigger and maybe some other characters. Oh, you're calling her mommy now, ain't you? On the ship, she was just Elizabeth, but she's mommy now. What's she do? Is she the reason why you didn't get hit up for getting that $60 nail job? Is she the one who was like, Watson, she's six and she's a Karen. We need to let her go so she can grow into full strength and call the cops on somebody in Oakland who's having a barbecue and minding their own business when she's like 30. Is that what happened? I feel like that's what happened. I feel like that's why you call her mommy now. The breakfast began at 9 a.m. and Andrew and David Michael and I were just a smidge excited. Oh, all right. We were really, 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 really excited. When we got to the Empress Lily, we waited in a long line outside. A lady took our names, and another lady gave us name tags to Andrew and David Michael and me. We stuck them on our shirts. I wanted a name tag for my hitchhiking ghost who was still with me, but I didn't know what his name was, so I didn't say anything. I wondered if I should, though. That ghost still made my skin creep, so I thought I should be nice to him. He hadn't done anything mean to me yet, though. He was just hanging around. After lots and lots and lots of waiting, the line began to move, and we walked towards the Empress Lily. 
It was a beautiful white boat with a big paddle wheel. Daddy, where are we going to go? I asked. I was looking beyond the boat to the water. Daddy cleared his throat. There are only three times he does that. One, when his throat is tickly. Two, when he's embarrassed about something. Three, when he has to tell us something he knows we won't want to hear. Well, he began, we're not going to go anywhere. The Empress Lily is just for show. It's not a working boat. Really? I said. I felt disappointed, and I hoped my ghost wouldn't be mad. Maybe he had been looking forward to a boat ride. Yes, Daddy told me. But still, you get to go on board a paddle wheeler, and you get to see Pluto. Right. Oh, Daddy, if Pluto comes to our table, you'll take his picture, won't you? Of course, said Daddy. A question, a statement, a thought. Goofy and Pluto are both dogs, but Goofy can own Pluto. We filed onto the boat, and a waiter showed us into a dining room. He pointed to a table with five seats, and Daddy and Elizabeth and my brothers and I sat down. She back to Elizabeth. A basket of donut holes were in the middle of the table. Andrew and David Michael and I all pounced on the chocolate donuts. We left the cinnamon ones for Daddy and Elizabeth. Full jaw, the cinnamon ones are second best only to the glazed ones. You played yourself. The room was very nice, but it looked like any old dining room. You never had known we were on a steamboat, except that you could see the water out of the window. I didn't have much time to think about that, though. As soon as the tables were filled up, a man strode into the middle of the room. He welcomed us to the breakfast. Then he asked if anyone was having a birthday. I am, called the boy. Well, that's wonderful, said the man. He walked over to the boy and looked at his name tag. Tomas, he said. And how old are you today? Eight. Let's all sing happy birthday to Tomas. The man raised his arms and began to sing. Everyone joined in. The grown-ups smiled at him. The kids looked at him like he was really special. Boy, what a lucky duck, I thought. When the song was over, the man said, Any other birthdays? I couldn't help it. I stood up. Me, I called. It's my birthday. <laughs> Such a caring thing to do. Like, seriously, I feel like y'all, like when we started calling white folks, who were, white ladies who were acting out, Karens, I'm pretty sure this is what y'all were referring to and you weren't even thinking about it. I have always wanted a whole dining room full of people to sing to me and smile at me and look at me like I'm special. What do you mean? You're six. You didn't even know what a dining room was. Oh, well, she's rich. She might have known. And also, she's rich. So, I can't put this past her at all. Karen, my father whispered loudly. It's not, oh, now he's my father, not daddy. Too late. The man had come over to our table. Another birthday, he exclaimed. Two on one day. That doesn't happen very often. Daddy and Elizabeth smiled nervously. How old are you? The man asked me. Seven, I told him. David Michael snorted. It was really rude of him. But the man didn't seem to notice. He just looked at my tag and announced that my name was Karen. Then everyone began to sing again. I beamed. I loved it. I loved being right in the middle of things with everyone thinking about me. I didn't care that it wasn't my birthday. It was probably my only chance to ever have about a hundred people sing to me. The song ended. While the singing had been going on, the waiters had been busy serving up plates of bacon, scrambled eggs, and potatoes. I looked down at my food. Then I lifted my fork. Karen, my father said in a low voice, don't you ever do that again, young lady. You told a lie. I know. I'm sorry. I have half a mind to make you wait outside with me until breakfast is over. Oh, no, please, Daddy. But I'm not going to. Not here. Not on the last day of our vacation. Besides, everyone thinks it's your birthday. I got something to say to you, Watson. Your daughter, Karen, she's going to lie on a lot of people in the future. It's going to break your heart. A lot of people. She's also going to feel like it's her job to stop people from going into their houses, in the stores, into their apartments, to deliver food, to barbecue on a park in Oakland. She's going to be everywhere. She just wants me to center of attention.
This is absolutely hilarious to me, y'all. You have no idea. I know, I said. I squirmed uncomfortably. I hate making daddy mad. I just wanted everyone to sing to me. Besides, my ghost made me do it. My hitchhiking ghost. He's with me all the time. Right away, I wish I hadn't said that. I knew it wasn't true. He hadn't made me do it. Would I make the ghost mad? I waited for something to happen. Nothing did. Nothing ghostly anyway. So your dad told you to stop lying. You're like, all right, cool, but one more. One more again. Check this out. But David Michael scowled at me from across the room. You're such a baby, he said. I am not. Or two. He began to sing. Kindergarten baby, stick your head in gravy, wash it off with... But daddy stopped him. David Michael, Karen, that's enough. Both of you. So, the full lyrics to that song, I will let you know because I used to sing that one too. These are all 80s things. Kindergarten baby, stick your head in gravy, wash it off with applesauce and show it to the Navy. Doesn't make sense, but it rhymes. And little kids will sing it to each other. Or maybe I saw it in another book. I might have saw it in uh, Beezus and Ramona. I might have. Hold on. Huh. Not sure. But now I'm probably going to end up reading a Ramona book. David Michael didn't finish the song. But when Daddy and Elizabeth weren't looking, he stuck his tongue out at me. I stuck mine back out at him. Then, from across the room, I heard a cheer. Andrew and David Michael and I craned our neck to see what was going on. Tigger, the tiger from Winnie the Pooh, had bounced into the room. Oh, it's Tigger, I exclaimed. Tigger began walking from table to table. Nearly everyone wanted to take his picture. While that was happening, someone began handing out comic books to all the kids. The comics were about Epcot Center, and they were called Mickey and Goofy Explored a Universe of Energy. Stuck in each book was a yellow Empress Lily pennant. I saw a kid ask Tigger to sign his pennant. So when Tigger finally got to our table, I handed him my pennant and a pen. Tigger signed his name. Thank you, I cried. After a while, Tigger left the room. I looked down at my food. I was much too excited to eat. Andrew and David Michael were too excited too. Eat up, kids, said Elizabeth. But just then, Pluto came in. Yeah, I cheered. Pluto walked from table to table with his long red tongue hanging out. Daddy snapped a picture of Pluto with his arms around my brothers and me. Soon it was time to leave. Can't any of you kids eat even one more bite? asked Elizabeth. David, Michael, and Andrew and I shook our heads. So we got on the bus and headed back to the Magic Kingdom one last time. What should we do first? asked Elizabeth as we walked down Main Street. The carousel, I said. Can we ride on the carousel? Elizabeth looked at my brothers. Is that okay with you guys? Sure, said Andrew. David Michael shrugged. He was still mad because all those people had sung happy birthday to me and thought I was seven. We walked towards Fantasyland. Andrew said he had to go to the bathroom. I'll take him, said Daddy. We'll meet you at the carousel. Okay, replied Elizabeth. Hey, David Michael, don't wander off. Come back. Elizabeth ran after David Michael. My socks were falling down. I stopped and pulled them up. When I looked around, I couldn't see Elizabeth or David Michael or Daddy or Andrew. Elizabeth? I called. I was in a big crowd of people. Elizabeth? Elizabeth! Are you lost, little girl? Asked the popcorn vendor. Even though I hate being called little girl, I said, yes. I wanted to cry, but you know what? I wasn't really too scared. My ghost was with me, and suddenly I imagined that he was a friendly ghost instead of a scary one. After all, he hadn't done anything mean to me, and besides, he was the only person I knew here. I imagined him saying, don't worry, we'll find Elizabeth and your daddy, and I felt better. The popcorn vendor asked someone who worked in the store to sell his popcorn for him for a while. Then he began asking me all sorts of questions, like where was I supposed to meet Elizabeth, and which bathroom did I think Daddy had taken Andrew to? I tried to answer him as he walked me to the carousel. What was your stepmother wearing, he wanted to know. A pink dress, I think, but I wasn't sure. 
I've been so excited about breakfast that I haven't paid much attention. Then we'll look for pink dresses, said the man pleasantly. He reached out his hand. I held on to him with my left hand, and onto my hitchhiking ghost with my right hand. Is that your stepmother? The popcorn vendor wanted to know. He was pointing to a fat woman in a pink sundress. I shook my head. No. We kept walking. What if Elizabeth isn't at the carousel? I asked. My voice was trembling. Then we'll look for your daddy. He's supposed to go to the carousel too. Don't worry. I worked in the Magic Kingdom for three years and I've seen lots of lost kids. Don't you worry about a thing. I never got one whose parents I couldn't find. It always works out. Trust me. Always? I asked. My ghost squeezed my hand. Always. When you reach the carousel, guess what we saw first thing? Elizabeth! There she is! I cried. She was wearing blue jeans and a yellow shirt. Where? said the popcorn vendor. I guess he was looking for a pink dress. There! I ran to Elizabeth and threw my arms around her. Oh, thank heaven, she said. I was hoping you'd find your way here. We hugged a long time. Then Elizabeth thanked the popcorn vendor. And I thought about my new secret. My hitchhiking ghost really was friendly. He wasn't scary. I decided I wanted him to come back to Stony Brook with me. Maybe he could get to know old Ben Brewer, the ghost of the third floor of Daddy's house. Chapter 21. Stacy. It was our last day at Disney World. And guess where I was going to spend it? At Epcot Center. By the way, in case you're wondering... Epcot stands for Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. I have no idea what that means. Maybe I will after I look up Prototype, but I'm not going to bother with that until I get back to Stony Brook. Anyway, Clara Margo wanted to go. They were the only Pike kids who did. The others preferred the Magic Kingdom, so I volunteered to take them. I was pretty curious about Epcot myself. As usual, after breakfast, we boarded a bus outside the hotel. This one took us to Epcot. Claire and Margo were excited. After two days at the Magic Kingdom, they had done everything they wanted to do. Now they were ready for something new. While we were on the bus, we looked at the pamphlet about Epcot Center. Which is the ride with the dinosaurs, Margo wanted to know. My friend Betsy says that's the funnest. Let's see, I said. I began leafing through a pamphlet. While I was looking, Claire spoke up. What is Epcot anyway? I tried not to smile. Why had Claire wanted to go to Epcot Center so badly if she didn't know what it was? What's Epcot? I repeated. No, said Margot. Which is the dinosaur ride? I mean, come on, Stacy. You didn't know what Epcot was. You had to literally look it up, and then you still don't know what prototype is, so you have to look that up when you get back to Connecticut. And you're a bit older than these two little girls, so be gracious. Whoa, I exclaimed. One question at a time. Okay. Margo, the dinosaurs are in the universe of energy. We'll try to go there first. Now, Claire, let me see. Epcot is a place where we can learn about our world and about the future. Claire frowned. That sounds like... Like... School, supplied Margo. But it won't be, I said. I promise. It'll be fun. In school, do you get to ride through a land filled with dinosaurs? No, replied both girls. Do you get to see a really, really cool 3D video starring Michael Jackson? That was Captain EO, I believe. I believe that was in the 80s. Like, I saw it. You can see it on YouTube, I guess, probably. I mean, you can see it on YouTube, by the way. I just looked it up. Um, But to have Michael Jackson at Disney World in 1986 was like really, really dope. In 88 was really, really dope. I wanted to see him. I don't think I got a chance to. I think I by the time I saw him, I think I was like an adult. They might still have Captain EO there at Epcot. I'm not sure. When we went and saw it, it was like, okay, you know, this is cool. Sounds like we went on the uh, Star Tours ride or whatever it was called. That was supposed to be like Star Wars. It was cool. It's a video. Now that dang near every single ride that they have at the, at the amusement parks are nothing more than you watching a video while things happen to you and it's like a 3D thing. Not so dope. Not anymore. Also, if you get a chance, they have 4D movies that you should go see at Disney World um, and Disneyland. Um, and it's like the 
water sprays on you when water sprays in the movie and things vibrate in your seat so it feels like things are walking. There was a part we saw a bug's life and there were um ants and beetles trying to get to their seats and so they crawled underneath you and you could feel it in your seat just like little rumblings. That was really dope. That was probably the best part of Disneyland or Disney World, whichever one it was in my opinion. I think that was Disneyland. Now that they have like the Marvel World and, and Star Wars, yeah, it's gotten a lot better. But wearing 3D glasses is still whack. 3D? Cried Margo. You mean we wear those funny glasses? Yep. All right. And what else? Asked Claire. What else is there? We looked through a pamphlet together. There was Journey into Imagination, which sounded like lots of fun, and World of Motion and Spaceship Earth. Then there was a World Showcase with food and souvenirs from 10 different countries. Oh boy, said Claire. Pretty exciting. But as far as the girls were concerned, the most exciting thing happened just as we were walking towards the geosphere. That's what it's called. This stands at the entrance to Epcot Center. It looks like a gigantic golf ball, and inside is the spaceship Earth ride. Anyway, we were walking towards it, and suddenly Claire let go of my hand and began running away from us. Claire, I shouted, come back. But she didn't hear me. She was calling, Mark, Mark. Hey, look, exclaimed Margo. It's Mark Kubaki and his parents. Sure enough, Claire ran straight to the Kubakis. She greeted Mark exuberantly. Then she looked back at us. Stacy, she called. Come here. Margo and I were already on our way. When we reached the Kubakis, there were hellos all around. Margo and Mark grinned at each other, and I shook hands with Mark's parents. Good thing Marianne wasn't on the job with them that day. Otherwise, she would have been like, who? And the whole allure would have been ruined. Coincidence? I think not. We just got here, Claire announced. So do we, replied Mark from his wheelchair. Are you going to stay all day? Almost all day, I informed him. We're going to try to get back to the Magic Kingdom in time for the parade and the fireworks. We keep missing them, so tonight's our last chance. Same here, said Mark. We're going to the parade too. Hey, Mom, he said. I have to ask you something. Miss Kubaki leaned over and Mark whispered in her ear. Then, sure, we heard her say. If they want to. Mark looked at Claire and Margo and me. Do you guys want to come with us today? He asked. We could go around together. Guess what? I can go on every ride here. There isn't a single one that's too wild. Can we, Stacy? Margo asked me. Of course, I replied. That would be great. And that was the beginning to one of the most interesting, surprising, and eventually sad days of my life. The interesting and surprising parts were the rides and exhibits. It was also pretty interesting to find out how well Epcot Center was equipped to deal with someone like Mark, a kid in a wheelchair. I'd seen plenty of kids in wheelchairs at the Magic Kingdom. And I'd seen people carefully putting them on some of the easy rides, like Peter Pan's flight. But I hadn't paid much attention, I guess. Now, spending a day with Mark... I paid a lot of attention. Not only was everyone nice to him, not gooey sweet nice, just regular kid nice. Like, what else were they supposed to do? How else were they supposed to act? Oh, you're in a wheelchair. Ugh, egad. Like, what? But they acted as if a person in a wheelchair wasn't at all unusual and certainly wasn't any trouble. As opposed to what? Are you telling me that a person in a wheelchair you thought was unusual and trouble? Like, What? At most places, an attendant would see us and say something like, And how many are in this wheelchair party? One of us would reply, Six. And then they'd give us any help we needed. It was all so easy and pleasant and natural. The very first place we went was the Universal Energy. It turned out that Mark was just as crazy about dinosaurs as Claire and Margot were. I know all about dinosaurs, he said as we waited in line. Tyrannosaurus rex, stegosaurus, Brontosaurus, Allosaurus, and the birds were called dactyls, Claire interrupted. Pterodactyls, Margo informed her. When we were finally inside, we were shown into a traveling theater with huge long seats that were more like train cars. We sat on a special one at the back that was designed to have enough room for Mark's wheelchair. The lights went out, just like in a regular movie house, and we watched films about energy and the long ago time in which fossils were created. And then our seats began to move. They turned around until they formed a sort of train, and we rode right out of the theater 
and into a primeval forest. Soon we were in dinosaur land. The kids were beside themselves we rode through the darkness, with the moving dinosaurs towering over us. Hey, Margot exclaimed, it's Brontosaurus. Hey, there's an Allosaurus and Stegosaurus having a fight, said Mark, awed. Nothing impressed them more than that fight. It was all they talked about as we waited online for the world demotion. After the world demotion, they were laughing so hard the Kubakis had to warn Mark to calm down. But did you see those accident scenes, he said. The bike accident and the car accident with the box of fruit knocked all over the street? The world of motion is about transportation, and the kids loved it, although not as much as they loved the dinosaurs. The ride was a lot of fun, and practically every scene made them giggle. After the world of motion, we went to the Magic Eye Theater A Journey into Imagination and saw the Michael Jackson video, Captain EO. The kids thought it was funny, exciting, and deliciously scary. When the video was over, the Kubaki said that Mark needed some time to rest and take his medicine. So we went to a restaurant in the World Showcase for lunch. The little outdoor tables there were so small that we let the girls and Mark sit at one, while I sat at another with the Kubakis. That was when the sad thing happened. The girls were chattering away, and I said something to the Kubakis like, it looks like Mark is having the time of his life. We hope so, replied Miss Kubaki, and she kind of choked on her words. What's the matter? I whispered, suddenly feeling afraid. The Kubakis glanced at each other. There was an embarrassing silence. Then Mr. Kubaki said in a low voice, Mark is going to have major surgery in a couple weeks. Heart surgery. It will be very risky. I figured out what he wasn't saying, that Mark might not survive the operation. I was stunned. Does he know? I managed to ask. He knows about the surgery, replied Mr. Kubaki, but not the risk. There's no need for him to know that. We took this vacation together, just in case. And we wanted to be happy. If anything happens, this is one of the good times Miss Kubaki and I will be able to look back on. Mr. Kubaki reached for his wife's hand. I swallowed hard. I couldn't let myself cry. Not there. Not then. I saved it for late that night when Mark's last day at Disney World was over. I lay in the darkness wondering why it was that some people are given health and others are given trials or tests. And why such a little boy as Mark had to be given such a big test. When we found out that... My son, Kid Awesome, needed heart surgery. We didn't want to tell him the severity of it. I mean, at that point in time, he was 13. He was um, in eighth grade. And um, we just wanted to... They told us that he was going to have the surgery. We, they told us about it on January the 19th, the day after my birthday. And um, told us it was going to be February 1st. And so the first week was, you know, just normal. It was COVID. So he was uh, studying. He was He was taking class at home and everything. He could barely breathe. Um, he was tired all the time. The second week, as we got closer to the actual surgery, and we knew the risks, his mom and I. His mom is a nurse, so she definitely knew the risks. We tried to spend every moment we could with him. Board games, dinners, taking pictures. All the kids, all four of our kids were there. We all played family board games together and laughed and had a good time. And just, we all knew. We all knew, um, without saying it, that we just wanted to spend time in his world just in case. We all just wanted to be there to remember these good times just in case. Because the heart 
issue that Devin had has the surgery was successful. I still say has only affected point zero 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 three percent of the population. And the doctors and surgeons that we talked to told us straight out they had never done a surgery like this before. That surgery, putting the life of your child in the hands of a doctor and having to exhibit faith, trust, and hope in a person that you don't know. Seeding that was the scariest thing in my life, and I cried. I cried the entire time that he was in the surgery, and it was a six-hour procedure. I cried. I cried because I thought that it was my fault. I have a heart. I have I have heart issues. I have a regular heartbeat and other issues, and I just thought it was genetic. And the nurses said to me, "No, it's not your fault. It's not genetic." And I don't know. I don't know if they were lying to me. I don't know if my wife was lying to me, because I was beside myself. And then when he got out of surgery, he was in the ICU. The recovery room. And we walked in there and he looked so tiny. And he wouldn't wake up. And I cried again. And we sat and we waited for him to open his eyes for him to look at us. And I mean, his pulse was good and everything. And they said that the surgery was successful. But he wouldn't wake up. He didn't wake up. Till about three hours later. They couldn't even run tests on him. They wanted to run because he wouldn't wake up. And I was just expecting him to. I knew the road to recovery was going to be hard for him. But that poor kid got the hiccups like. Immediately. And you know, if you think about it, when you have the hiccups, your chest moves like your chest vibrates. It's it's in your lungs. It's it's in that area. Now think about you just having open heart surgery and having a your chest opened up every time he hiccuped, every time he coughed. Such pain. That part with Mark hits much different now as a parent because Devin was 13 when he got his surgery. And Mark was seven. Yeah, I couldn't fathom it. I couldn't. That fear of what if this is the last time that I get to see someone I would love so much. That fear of what if they don't get to have the rest of their future. I literally made a deal with God. Said he could take me. I've lived enough. I've seen enough. And if my son could see just two more days, if my son could see 50 more years, if my son could see 100 more years, I could die happy. And I still mean that. Him getting through that surgery changed my entire life. As a parent and as a coach. 
916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Leave a review on Spotify. Leave a review on Podchaser. Copy and paste that into Apple Podcasts. Copy and paste that into Good Pods. Um, you could donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast or at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. Uh, there's a tip jar. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. Outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast.